With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Life Happens Radio, your weekly radio broadcast, bringing you ideas, thoughts, and planning concepts to put into practice. How do you get yourself ready for all the things that life brings your way? And today, what life is bringing us is rain. It's rainy here in the Capital District. It's been rainy for a while. It's going to be rainy for a little bit longer. But as they say, April showers bring May flowers. And looking forward, we'll get back up into the 70s, 80s, 90s and have those warm summer days. They're right around the corner. So we hope that you are enjoying spring. And I know we're all waiting for the blossoms to bloom and the weather to turn a little bit. But that will come with time. And in April, it's always budget season in New York State. So our government State legislature, the Senate and Assembly have been meeting, working with the governor to try to get a budget out. And that budget impacts each and every one of you and us. And it's something that we follow very, very closely. And on May 11th, we're conducting our 28th, that's 28 years, we've been doing an elder law forum. And it's become a very policy-oriented forum. And we have legislators, John McDonald is going to be joining us, along with other state legislators, talking about the budget session and what's going on. We're going to have the head of long-term care for New York State Department of Health, Adam Herbst, the head of the State Office for Aging, Greg Olson, and a cast. We have 24 different speakers for the Elder Law Forum. And you can actually join us for the Elder Law Forum. It's at the Desmond Americana. And you can join us live. It's a professional-based program, but it's very interesting if you have interest in this area. You can also join us virtually. We're going to be broadcasting it live from the Desmond So you can stay home, watch, or you can come to the Desmond, get a bite to eat, and watch along with all of the others. About 300 people have signed up so far. And you can do that on our website. You can go to purolaw.com, go to events. You'll see all of the scheduling, the various speakers, and the people that will be with us on May 11th to talk about the New York State budget, how it impacts each and every one of us, and what New York State is undergoing in terms of aging and aging in a rapid fashion. The workforce is not growing, but the population of people who need services is. So how will New York State grapple with that May 11th Elder Law Forum? Go to purolaw.com events, and you can sign up right now. We hope that you can join us. And one of the people that will be joining us on May 11th is my partner, Peter Strauss, and he's also joining us live this morning. Good morning, Peter. Good morning, Lou. You just faded out a little bit. Okay, I'll try to keep my voice up. And uh, I was just talking about the Elder Law Forum, something that we look forward to each year because we learn a great deal of what's going on at the state and federal level and what's going on around our region here and in New York City as well. And Peter joins us from Manhattan or the Hamptons. Where are you today, Peter? Good morning. The weather here is just like Albany, gloomy. And I hope that's not a prediction of what the state budget is going to finally look like. Well, we're not hearing great things. The money is tight. The budget, you know, looking to cut in areas that we rely upon, that is Medicaid and social services. 
the Office for Aging, the people that we have on this show that are going to be on on the panels on May 11th and speaking May 11th. So far, the the no one knows for sure because it isn't passed yet. It's a month late coming up. It's supposed to be passed on April 1st, so it doesn't look like they're going to get get it passed until May. But it's going to have uh, you know some really hard things for everyone to live with, and that's also going to be explored by our panels on the May 11th Elder Law Forum. But it's something, Peter, we work on every day with clients. And today's topic that we're going to talk about is suddenly everything went dark. And when that happens, the the fear, the anxiety, the unknown of an illness, a sudden accident, life changes in a heartbeat. And are you prepared? If you do go to the hospital and someone needs to make a decision, you need a surgery, a blood transfusion, other treatments, who's going to make that decision? And do they know what your wishes are? If you have someone who has to have authority to take care of your finances, pay your bills, get your health insurance information, contact the insurance companies, make sure that your stay is covered, who is going to do that for you? And if you have assets and you end up in needing care, health care, hospital care, transitioning perhaps to rehabilitation, transitioning perhaps to a nursing home or back home with assistance, when that day comes, are you prepared? And unfortunately, Peter, a lot of people are not. I think that's correct, Lou. And as a background to this discussion, I, I have to make one comment about the budget. Because New York has had a history of being the pioneering state in assistance to people who have medical needs and aging-related issues. We've been way ahead, as we'll probably discuss during this morning's program, uh, generous Medicaid programs, generous eligibility rules, far more liberal than most other states. But suddenly, because of budget problems, the costs of COVID-19, and a change in philosophy, we're seeing budget-driven decisions going into the adoption of the budget, cutting back on resources and eligibility rights that are available to our clients, and we see that every day. So we need to keep that in mind as we discuss the answer to your question. Are we prepared? Too many people are not prepared, and we're going to talk to you about that now. So individual preparedness is part of this, and how do you plan? What documents should you have? What should you be thinking about? How should you structure your assets? How should you name beneficiaries? What can you do to protect yourself today so that when that day comes, you don't have at least one anxiety, and that is the anxiety of how will things be dealt with because you will have pre-planned it. The other piece, the, the preparedness of our government for the things that we're about to face and the aging phenomena, especially here in New York, they are not prepared. And it's something that budgets you know, go year to year. And government has a cycle uh, of year to year and elections. And as soon as a, a, someone wins for office, they have to start running again to get reelected in the next campaign and start raising funds again. So we don't have a long-term vision in the government. The governor has a master plan on aging. She just announced that in, in December. She has two people that are in charge of that, one from the Department of Health, one from the State Office for Aging. 
and the master plan on aging being conducted by Adam Herbst and Greg Olson, both of whom will be addressing these issues at our Elder Law Forum on May 11th. Uh, so we're going to have probably eight or 900 people attend the forum. It's, a, it's an event that has grown over time. And this issue of preparedness, the numbers, we've been following these numbers for 27 years, and this is our 28th annual, and the numbers are numbers. And when you look at the baby boom generation, Peter, that's my generation, and, and we're coming through, and there is a huge swath of people, 76 million people, who have turned 65, who are now turning 74, 75, and we're coming through this in a way that's going to swamp the systems that exist today. And, and that's a societal problem that we're just not dealing with and grappling with. And we've discussed on other shows that even if there were budgetary funds funds as a result of the budget for paying for care under the Medicaid program and other programs, there may not be the workers available um, to, to, to provide the services that are needed not just upstate and rural areas, but it's happening in New York City as well. And it's happening all across the country. So no no one is immune from this. The number of people that are eligible workers in health care and long-term care has not grown. But the demand, the need for those services has grown enormously over the last 10 years and will continue to grow over the next 30 to 40 years. And so preparing ourselves individually is something we can control. Preparing ourselves societally is something that we have to use our vote to make sure that people are taking these issues seriously, and we have to use our advocacy. We do some lobbying work, mostly with the Bar Association, to make sure that our clients' rights are protected, and you have to have a voice. You, you cannot expect that passively things are going to go well for you if you leave them to someone else. And the, <laughs> I hate to be on this soapbox, Peter, but money is the root of all evil in politics and it's a money game when you have lobbyists who have influence the people that pay those lobbyists and can afford those lobbyists are the ones that get the time the face time with the decision makers who then create our public policy so public advocacy the groups that we support uh, the people that lobby on behalf of seniors people with disabilities Beth Finkel, who is the New York State Chair of AARP, one of the leading advocacy groups for seniors, is going to be part of our May 11th panel. She's been on the show very recently. These are issues that are important to all of us. And it's something that you, you can't sit in your cocoon and expect that the rest of the world is going to treat you right. You have to advocate for your own rights. So what we're going to focus on today, though, is not public advocacy. It's private advocacy. How do you create a plan? And Peter, I just lost a friend and a client, someone who is 62 years old. He was an attorney and he came in and did his estate plan six months ago. He had no plan in place. Six months ago, he came in and did his estate plan. And I got a call from a hospital letting me know that he was in the hospital and asking for his health care proxy, which we were able to send over a scan over and send it to the hospital so that his agent could make decisions. But unfortunately, he passed at age 62, and he, he was taking care of his elderly father, who is still with us. And so you never know. And the name of the show is Life Happens. And when he hit the hospital, fortunately, he had a healthcare proxy in place. He had clear instructions as to what he wanted 
and he had an agent in place and they got that healthcare proxy emailed to them immediately. But that, that scenario, the document that he had in place along with his others is critical at the moment of time in time when you do have that 911 call and you do end up in the hospital. Right. Unfortunately, Lou, many of our clients, when we get that call, we have to tell the social worker who's making it from the hospital setting, no, we sent our client a draft six months ago, and she hadn't come back to sign her documents, notwithstanding five emails from us. So people don't understand the risks here, and we don't want to scare the audience on a rainy day well, or maybe even a do, sunny Peter, day. Just a, maybe just a little but bit. But people need to plan. And the, and the alternative, if they don't, is there may need to be a petition to a court to appoint a guardian to make personal decisions and health decisions. And you may not get a temporary guardian appointed overnight when these Healthcare decisions need to be made. Now, there is something called the Family Healthcare Decision Making Act, where spouses and children have rights to make decisions in a hospital if you don't have a healthcare proxy, but you don't know where your kids are going to be. They could be on vacation in Hawaii, or, and even with Zoom, that's not a good thing to have to happen. So let's talk about what needs to be done. And we're going to come back after a short break and start laying out for you the legal plan, the documents that you can put in place today so that when that 911 calls and it's about you, you are prepared. Stay with us. We'll be right back. You're on WGY at Life in Life Happens every Saturday morning at 11 a.m. Stay with us. We'll be right back. back, everyone. You're listening to Life Happens. I'm Lou Pirro from Pirro, Connor & Strauss, your host for this morning. And I have with me Peter Strauss, who is going to be back on the line in just a moment. We're talking about planning and being prepared for the day that that event happens to you. And trust me, folks, this is not an if question. This is a when question. Something is going to happen to you at some point, whether it's an accident, an illness, an incapacitating event. And it may be that you are disabled and incapacitated and you need to plan for that. It may be that your life is over and you need to plan for that as well. So putting those plans in place are things that we need to think about, but more than think about, we need to do. Yeah, it's, it's cool. We need to put it in place. It wasn't working. And Peter, I think you're back on. Yes. Um, can you hear me clearly? I can hear you clearly. And I was just okay. kind of bringing us back to the show and, you know, this time of year, it's it's spring, it's rainy, it's cloudy, but the sun will come out for many of us, not for all of us. We look at, uh, you know, it's baseball season, the Mets, the Yankees, the Red Sox, whoever you're following, now's the time. It's, it's a great time of year. Go to a game, watch it on television. If you're a football fan, the NFL draft is going on right now. If you're a Jets fan, you have Aaron Rodgers, who's joining your team, so it's a pretty exciting time for Jet fans. I'm a Giants fan. I think they're doing pretty good. The Patriots, uh, you know, perennial powerhouses now kind of rebuilding. All of these things 
take us day to day through our lives and, and we can get distracted and we can, you know, focus on those things. But we also have to turn focus at times to being prepared. And that's legal planning, financial planning, tax planning, making sure that you are doing the things, the, the blocking and tackling, as we say, making sure you're doing the things day to day that will keep you financially sound. WGY does a great job bringing you information. You you have Dave Kopeck, you have Steve Boucher, the, the front and back end of this show. And those are great advisors and you get great information on your financial planning, making sure you have enough money going into a retirement account so that when you do retire, you have an IRA, a Roth IRA, and, and accounts that you can count on to produce income for you. You may be in the stock market. You may be following the bank stocks that are volatile right now and all the other things that they talk about. And having a sound financial plan is essential to future success, to make sure that you have the money in place if you have an emergency, that you have the funds, if you retire, that you can retire successfully with the cash flow and the income that you need in order to do the things that you want to do in retirement. But hand in hand with that is a sound legal plan. And that's the part that many people put off. And, and Peter, how many times do clients or, or people that you run into on the street come up to you and say, well, when should I do a will? You know, when's, when's the right time to do a will? And, and there's an easy answer for that. Well, the answer is you never know when bad things are going to happen when life happens. Um, you know, over my career, I've, I've done um, emergency planning for people who rode their motorcycles at the age of 27 years under a Mack truck, um, and that had to be a guardianship because they didn't realize that they, you know, should, couldn't be waiting till 65 to do their planning. Mm -hmm. And so the planning, you know, to, to implement the financial plan has to be done with having the legal documents to deal with your finances. That's half of it. The other half is having the legal documents to deal with your health decisions and personal decision li uh, making in life. So we're, right now we're going to start with the financial documents. And essentially, you need to have a good, strong, solid, well-drafted, durable power of attorney, mm -hmm. meaning that you appoint someone to take over to make your financial decisions, pay your bills, look at your investments, file your tax returns when you are not able to do it for yourself. We call that person the agent, sometimes called the attorney in fact. But agent is really what it is. It's your representative to speak and act for you to deal with your financial affairs and deal and implement the financial plan and take care of yourself and your family. And part of Sometimes that, we also use trusts, and we'll talk a little bit about it. It's a little more formal system, and in most cases today, it makes a lot of sense to have a trust. Let's, let's Go flesh out the power of attorney, Peter, because that's an important document, and we'll take these one at a time, the power of attorney, and then we'll get into the different types of trusts and, and how they are used. But I, I did a talk this morning at Albany Law School. It's their annual Senior Citizens Law Day something that we started back in 1997 that they've been doing at the law school and, and it's back on board and it's a great day where you can go in and get real information. And I was talking to folks about these legal documents, the power of attorney 
and questions were coming in from the audience. And I'm going to give it, give all of you listening an opportunity to ask your questions right now as well. It's 800-TALK-WGY. You can call us right now. Zach's waiting to take your call. That's 800-825-5949, 800-825-5949. And, you know, a couple of people said, well, you know, I went online and I downloaded a form and I started to ask them questions about the power of attorney. And I said, did you see a gifting provision in there? And they said, oh, yeah, I saw that, but I'm, I don't want to fill that out. I don't want anybody to have the ability to, to make gifts of my assets. And in a context of estate planning, when we as planners look at this document and we craft the document for each client, most of our clients, once that gifting authority is explained, but more importantly, what happens if you don't have that gifting authority, they will sign it. And, and once they understand it. So just walk us through. And you mentioned earlier the court system and, and guardianships. And, and that's where you end up if you don't have these things. And sometimes people, even if they have the power of attorney, still have to go to guardianship because they don't have the right power of attorney. Correct. So aside from the gifting provision, there are several other important points. And by the way, if the client still is nervous about that after uh, your very clear explanation of why it's necessary to do tax planning, uh, supporting relatives who are in need, Medicaid planning, you can always say, well, all right, uh, require that your trusted uh, friend, family member, attorney, accountant, would have to consent to the gift so that you know there's some security built in. It's not necessarily always a good idea because that slows things down, but for the very, very nervous, you can do that. You can also appoint multiple uh, agents, Peter. So if you have three children and you don't want to put one on the hot seat, you can name all three, and you can make sure that they communicate by acting jointly. And so it's it has to be a joint decision, and all the kids – by, by the document and by law, have to be treated the same way they're treated in your will or your trust. So any Correct. gifting has to go according to your estate plan. That's how the document is crafted. So there are many protections that we can build in for you so that it's, a, it's something that you need to have. And if you don't have it, I had a client come in and they had, a, they had paid an attorney a lot of money to do a plan and they came in and the power of attorney was not done fully. It didn't have the gifting writer. And the person who was the principal, their parent, lost capacity. They had a stroke. And they had assets. They had a home. They had other assets that they wanted to protect. And they could not protect them. They could not transfer them because they did not have this provision in the power of attorney. And right. So, and, and that's a perfect example of when you still would need a guardian to implement that asset protection plan, which is probably going to include Medicaid planning. So it's very, very important. Now, I just did one for clients who were concerned about the gifting provision, but it, it, we, we solved the problem by saying if they were appointing their three children and either any one of the three could act independently to pay their bills and make investment decisions, but when it came to the gifting, it required two out of the three. So there's, you know, a way to tailor these important powers to the client's needs. But it brings us back to the question of who is the most trustworthy and capable agent. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's not my son, the lawyer, necessarily, or my accountant. 
son or daughter, it, it's the one that you trust because you can always get legal or financial advice, but you can't buy trust. That's so, so true. Uh, the choice of the agent, where they live, how much time they could devote to taking care of your financial affairs, all become critical questions. And this is part of the consultative process that a good lawyer goes through. So if, if you're shopping for an attorney to do estate planning, what you don't want to do is go to the same attorney that you use to do your house closing, to do your traffic tickets. You want to go to somebody that's doing this full time because the law is complex. And we spend hours and hours and hours researching and fine tuning the documents that we're talking about here. And we're going to talk in the second half of the show about the healthcare decision making and then get into the trusts because the power of attorney leads to a will. And a will is a good document, but not the end of the story. A trust is a document that can oversee all of the assets, both during your lifetime and at death, and once again, avoid the courts. We're going to take a short break for the news. Then we're going to come back. I'm Lou Piero, on with my partner, Peter Strauss, joining us from New York City. And we're glad that you can join us on this somewhat rainy and dreary Saturday here in the Capital Region and in the city. And we'll be back right after the news. All right. We are back. Zach can only play this song for me for another two months. And then I'm out of the 64s and into the 65s. So I'll be signing up for Medicare very, very soon. And uh, my partner is on with me, Peter Strauss, who's been on Medicare for a few years, Peter. <laughs> That's true. Uh Thank goodness for Medicare. One of the programs that, you know, still works but is on shaky ground and on the news, if you listen through the news break. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. They were talking about the economy and the inflation rate and the pessimism that people have today. Eight in ten people feel that the economy is either doing poorly or fair. And so it's something that this perception becomes people's own reality. But you can't let it get you down. You can't let it stop you from doing the things that are essential for you. And education is a big part of that. Making yourself an educated consumer, knowing what your rights are, knowing what your options are in terms of planning. So we have some upcoming webinars that I want to invite you to. We do something called Medicaid Mondays. And Medicaid Mondays are 30-minute, concise, well-done webinars that we do in our office. 
and the next one is May 8th, coming right up uh, Monday. And next Monday, that's Medicaid Monday, Navigating Nursing Home Medicaid. What are the realities? And, and one of the realities is that it costs now sixteen dollars to $18,000 per month. That's over $200,000 per year to be in a nursing home. So how do you protect your assets if this unfortunately happens to you at some point? Again, life happens, whether it's a stroke, Alzheimer's, or another physical or mental ailment. You may need long-term care at some point in your life, and the older we get, the more likely it is that we're going to need it. So on Monday, May 8th at noon, you can join us, and Frank Hemming myself will be talking about Medicaid and how these pieces all fit together. So how to plan, how to protect your assets, your home, your bank accounts, your other assets, and qualify for Medicaid Monday, May 8th. June 12th, which is our next Medicaid Monday, again at noon, will be the right to Medicaid, what happens if you're denied. So how do you appeal your rights? But join us Mondays, the second Monday of every month, May 8th, June 12th, at noon. And you can sign up on our website, purolaw.com. You can always call us at 518-459-2100 or email info at purolaw.com. So those Medicaid Mondays, Peter, have been drawing four and 500 people to the webinars. Uh, and, and that's, I think, a testament to Frank and the firm at the dedication that we have to educating our clients and something I believe, and I know you do as well, that an educated client makes good decisions. There's no question about it. And I think people also are responding because they see uh, the difficulty in, in financing long-term care. And, and that's a whole program in and of itself. Long-term care insurance is essentially no longer an option for people, even if they, were eligible because they were still healthy. It was getting expensive. And so Medicaid is taking on a even greater importance for those who could qualify. And the firm is pretty good at, at um, making sure people can exercise all their options to make themselves Medicaid eligibly, eligible legally and above board. Um, there are plenty of options and unfortunately People don't know about it. I had a referral just this week uh, from a friend of mine who's a divorce lawyer who was fairly educated, and the wife came in, the husband, he's, he's 60 years old, he's not on Medicare, and he has to get a liver transplant. And so she went to the divorce lawyer seeking a divorce, and he fortunately told her that wasn't your only option. Go call Peter Strauss and talk about other ways, and yes, there was another option. It's called Medicaid, and and we're proceeding, and we're going to have to do it under there's an immediate need program. We so people do need to be educated. We have many guides on our website about Medicaid, about estate planning, about trusts, about powers, plus the live programs that you can check on. So that website, again, is purolaw.com. It's P-I-E-R-R-O-L-A-W.com. And a lot of information on there, as Peter said. Also, a schedule of our upcoming events, including the two Medicaid Mondays I just talked to you about and other things that we have upcoming. The Elder Law Forum on May 11th that I mentioned, which is a broad public policy forum that our firm has conducted now in its 28th year. So learn what's going on out there. Know what your rights are. Know what you can do to prepare yourself. And if you have questions right now on that, call us. 
800-800-TALK-WGY. Pick up the phone. Make that call. It doesn't cost nothing. And Peter and I are here to answer your questions. 800-825-5949. Peter, back to the health care decision-making. We talked about the power of attorney. We talked preliminarily about the health care proxy. But health care decision-making is one of the major components of this all the way through to something that you're very passionate about, and that is the right to choose at the end of life. So let's walk through the different options people have to put decision makers in place for healthcare decisions and then end of life choices. So the starting point is the basic document called a healthcare proxy. It is in fact a medical power of attorney. You are appointing a healthcare agent to make healthcare decisions who can speak for you at such time as you no longer have capacity to express and make your own health care decisions. And that determination is made generally by a physician who, after examining and interviewing the patient, says, Mom really doesn't understand the medical issues she is facing, and I believe that it is time for her trusted health care agent to take over. Now, how does the healthcare agent know what to do? Well, that comes with many discussions after many discussions with mother about her wishes, what kind of care and treatment would she want if there is a terminal illness which might result in her death. And so the agent is guided by those discussions, and yes, maybe they should be at the Thanksgiving dinner table or the Christmas Eve dinner table, which is usually a happy time, but maybe it's the only time the family gets together and you have those discussions. But the agent is also guided by another document, which the media calls the living will. We prefer to call it a health care declaration because that's what it really is. It's mother's written statement of the kind of care and treatment she would want at the end of life, what she would want to have and what she would want to forego, including such questions as resuscitation, if your heart stops or your lungs stop working, um, tube feeding, stomach tube feeding, um, even antibiotics if she's got pneumonia and has been suffering from severe dementia for years and doesn't have much quality of life. So the Living Will Healthcare Declaration addresses those patient wishes, and it needs to be properly drawn. Don't use terms like, I don't want heroic measures. What's a heroic measure? Is a heart transplant a heroic measure, or is it today routine medical treatment? So stick to some discussion in that document about what is your quality of life? What, what are the terms and times when you say enough is enough? I, I'd like to have a peaceful death. And this is probably the longest part of our consultation with the client as to the documents they're going to sign, because this is really the essential planning tool for the end of life. And you mentioned a good point, Peter, and that is the conversation because people's wishes don't get conveyed telepathically. There has to be a discussion. And the question then becomes, 
where does that discussion occur and who does it occur with? And at times, perhaps there is someone in the family that the principal feels comfortable with having this conversation, but there's always the risk that that person is not, not there at the appropriate time and that there's a successor agent that they may not have had this conversation with. So it ends up happening in a law office in many instances, and we have been doing this document since 1993. There's a whole history behind it. And Peter, you have written a guide that we've published internally and, and externally within the firm on healthcare decision-making. Again, it's an excellent recitation of all of these factors and the history of New York's law and the different documents that you can create. And that's available on our website at purolaw.com. Go to resources and you can get our healthcare decision-making guide. Always you can email us at info at purolaw.com or call the office. But when we look at this conversation that we have with clients, is the conversation most appropriate in a law office? Aren't these, at the end of the day, Peter, medical decisions? You're, you're absolutely right, Lou, and that brings us to another document. I want to come back uh, after this discussion to who the agent should be, but there is something called a MULST, a medical order on life-sustaining treatment. It is legal in New York State and some other states. It's called a post Physician Order on Life-Sustaining Treatment, New Yorkers call it the most. And what's good about it uh, is that it is a medical order. It's, it's uh, results from an intense discussion between the physician and the patient, usually done when there is a concern that the medical condition may be life-threatening. And it spells out in greater detail than the legal document that we prepare as our combined healthcare proxy healthcare declaration. It, it specifically talks about the kinds of, of, of surgeries and procedures that you would want and you would want to forego. And because it becomes a medical order in your chart at the hospital, it is more likely to be honored and respected by the physicians who will deal with you because, you know, it may not be your primary care decision you're dealing with when you're in the hospital. They don't normally today have privileges any longer. It's the hospitalist, the doctor to whom you're assigned when you're in the hospital. So this MOLS document is there in your chart, and they are legally obligated to follow it. Now, in general, the whole question of honoring your choices is an issue, and that's another topic that would take a whole Saturday morning discussion, and I'll be discussing honoring patient choice at the convention of the Women's Bar Association in, on June 2nd in lovely Hershey, Pennsylvania, so I'll bring back lots of chocolate. Um, but these are essential issues. Who your agent's going to be, what your wishes are, and choosing the agent has some important implications, obviously. And it should not be my daughter, the doctor. She may be the one with the most medical knowledge, but may, may not be emotionally and psychologically able to carry out your wishes. The best agent is the one who has that stability, who understands what you want, because the agent's job is not to decide what's best for you. It's first to follow your wishes and instructions as known to the agent. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, 
and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And if there's an unknown, we don't really know what mother would have decided under these circumstances, then the agent is allowed to make a decision based on what he or she thinks is in your best interest. But first... It's to honor your wishes and follow those instructions, even if you would have made, as the agent, a different decision. And so the healthcare proxy is a, a bare-bones statutory document that appoints your agent. The healthcare declaration, and our language that we've crafted over the years, is it, it fulfills 95% of our clients' intentions. It, it matches 95%. 5% have different ideas on what they want in terms of end of life decision making. So we use that, we modify it to our client specifications, but what we do in our office is we combine the two documents. So your proxy and your appointment of your agent and your instructions live in one document. And if the agent's there, they'll carry out your wishes. Even if the agent's not there, this document stands alone as that living will or healthcare declaration. And then you get to the point in time when you have a most form, the medical order done with a healthcare professional. And we didn't see these in our office. The most has been around a long time and we wondered why. And, and then we found out that there was no billing code. So the doctors couldn't get paid for having the conversation and completing this document until about three years ago. And Medicare now has a billing code code for this type of thing. So when you have your next annual checkup, Ask your doctor to consult with you regarding the medical order, and then you can make these decisions in great detail if you choose to in that most, but you can always have the healthcare proxy and healthcare declaration document behind that so that your agent would have the authority to speak on your behalf. We have to take one more short break, and then we're going to come back, and we're going to talk about trusts and how trusts work. And one other document we're going to touch on quickly what happens after you die? What happens when the lights really go out? Your healthcare proxy, your power of attorney no longer have any effect. What picks up when those balls drop? We'll let you know right after this short break. Thanks for listening on this rainy Saturday morning to Life Happens Radio here on Talk Radio WGY. We'll be right back. Just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. And we're back. Little Simon and Garfunkel, thank you for that, Zach. I'm Lou Pirro, on with Peter Strauss. We're partners at Pirro, Connor, and Strauss, and we do estate planning, elder law, business succession planning, tax, and we do litigation. But Peter and I focus more on keeping people out of court than putting them in. And that's something that estate planning does for you. And we're talking today about the documents 
that put decision makers in place and give them proper instruction. We talked about the power of attorney. We talked about the healthcare proxy and healthcare declaration. Those two documents, Peter, are called advanced directives. Both of those documents cease to exist upon your death. So when we're talking about traditional estate planning, it's planning with a will, but a will doesn't have any impact upon your death because it has to go through probate, the court process of proving the will and getting a certificate from the judge. And that certificate is what gives you the right to do things. And in New York City, Peter, right now, that's on a good day. How long does it take? Three to six months. Um, it, it's, it's becoming very difficult throughout the five counties of New York City. Staff shortages, budget cutbacks, um, many estates caused by deaths during COVID-19, uh, fewer staff to work on those estates. You can get something called preliminary letters where you could affect our temporary manager of the estate or temporary executor, but that takes time too, and you have to have special reasons, and uh, that doesn't always happen. So by having your assets in a trust, that trust does not need any court approval. Uh, it, it stands on its own. It's, it's some clients don't know what it is, so I say to them, well, it's like your own private corporation, but since it's not a business, it's, it's, it's family. We, we call it a trust, but it's a similar thing. The trust takes title to the assets, so you transfer ownership to this trust. You can be your own trustee in a revocable living trust, which is what we do mostly for people who are not doing Medicaid planning, where we do a different kind of irrevocable trust. And you're your own trustee as long as you can function. It names successor trustees if you do become incapacitated. So it takes over. It's a more formal kind of power of attorney, but it spells out the duties of the trustee to a much greater extent. And it continues when you die. It continues to exist until the terms of the trust say it ends. It could end at your death and go to your adult children if they're all healthy and wise and financially stable, but you could also have it continue. Certainly you will have it continue in most cases for your spouse, for his or her life, and then it might end at the spouse's death but it could also at that time continue in further trusts for your children, particularly if you have a child with disabilities. So you might distribute to two healthy children, two-thirds, and one-third or more perhaps will stay in ongoing trust as a supplemental needs trust for a child with disabilities. So there's great flexibility, and you do not need to go to the surrogate's court to probate a will if you followed our advice and got most of your assets, including your residences, into trust ownership. But you're the boss. You don't have to give up control. And, and that's a key component for many of our clients, not ceding control over their assets. In a revocable trust, you have 100% control and ownership, but you have transferred ownership into the name of the trust and yourself as trustee so that the two events that we're talking about here, what if I am incapacitated? How do things get done? 
and what if I die? How do things get transferred upon my death? So the power of attorney that we talked about and the will that we talked about are both replaced by the trust. And the trust gives you a great deal more control. It gives you terms that you can impose upon the successor trustee and, and require them to follow. And then you can put in place the plan for your next generation for the beneficiaries. And, and one of my favorite topics that didn't used to be, but over the last 10 or 12 years, I've grown to appreciate this following conversations I've had with thousands of parents and the fact that those parents feel like, okay, I was given a gift. I was given a society where I could work. I could save. I could put money away. I have social security. I have Medicare. But are those things going to be around for my kids? Do I want to have a way to protect my children for their future in the event they get divorced and they have a messy divorce and the, and the lawyer attacks everything they inherited from us, or if they get sued, or if they go bankrupt, or if they themselves have a health issue and need Medicaid. We've created a plan, Peter, through the trust, where the trust doesn't end. It continues. It continues with the children and on right to the grandchildren, and we call that a beneficiary-controlled trust. And when I have this conversation with parents and I lay out their options to just leave it to the kids outright, and let them deal with it and fend for themselves— or leave it to the kids in trust, name them as their own trustee, allow them to use the money, invest the money, and, and have it for them and their families and use it freely, but protect it from all of those events, divorce, lawsuits, bankruptcies, Medicaid. Nine out of ten parents opt for that beneficiary control trust. And Sometimes they will like to extend the protection for a number of years so that they might say, well, I'd like that idea, I'd like a beneficiary control trust, but maybe when they're 50 or 55, let's, let's end it. So every, there's great flexibility. And the other day I, I had uh, a parent say, you know what, why don't you talk to my daughter? Let her decide. Mm -hmm. You know, I'll do what she would like. And I had that conversation with the daughter, and the daughter said, you know, maybe my marriage may not you know, live forever as long as I live, and maybe that's a good idea. And another client said to me recently, you know what, let's, let's split it in half. Maybe I'd like to protect half, but I'd really like to have more total control over the other half. And I explained that with a beneficiary control trust, you have a lot of control, and, and distributions can be made to you if, if there's no need. So every client has different concerns, and the, the beauty of the trust is it gives great protection, but you can design it in a way that's extremely flexible. Yeah, I had this conversation with my three children who are in their 20s, and they're all very bright. We sat around the table, and I said, okay, so I'm doing my trust, and I have the option of just leaving things to you outright, or I can create a trust for you where you are the sole trustee. You have 100% control of the assets. You can invest them how you choose. You can use them when you want to, but no one else can touch that trust but you. Or I can just put them in your name, then you could de decide how you want to deal with it, and then you have to go do your own trust, and you can't do this trust because you cannot create an asset protection trust in New York for yourself. They all looked at me and said, Dad, is this a trick question? You know, why, why wouldn't we do that trust? So that's what my children are getting. And I feel really good about that because it's giving them an opportunity to have control but still have protection that 
I can't do for myself, but I can do for my kids. So it makes a, a, a great intergenerational estate plan. And that's a big theme in our office, taking care of you, the parents, but also the kids and maybe your parents and maybe your grandchildren. So looking at the multiple generations and how an estate plan can affect all of them. And when you do the revocable living trust, you do it without court intervention, without having to go through the judge. And so it gives you a great advantage. It's private, it's secure, and it's a way to put your family in a position where the assets that you've worked a lifetime to accumulate can be protected for them. The other type of trust I just want to touch on very briefly, Peter, for those people who are worried about Medicaid and nursing homes and that $17,000, $18,000 per month bill that they may face, we do a different type of trust, a Medicaid asset protection trust. We have one minute to talk about it. So we're going to go pretty quickly through this. But if you want to learn more about the Medicaid Asset Protection Trust, go to our website. We have a video. One of our Medicaid Mondays was on the Medicaid Asset Protection Trust. So you can watch that at purelaw.com. But this is an irrevocable trust where you have someone else be your trustee now and you protect the assets inside. So if you do go to a nursing home, you have the ability to shelter those assets. But be careful because there is a five-year look back on creating this trust for nursing home purposes. And we're facing a look back for home care starting potentially next April. So Peter, with that, we're out of time. I want to thank you for joining me from New York City and adding to this show so that we have some educated listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's show as I did. And we hope that you can join us each and every week here on Life Happens Radio. Have a great weekend. Enjoy. The weather will turn, folks. It's just a matter of time. So take care, and on behalf of Pierre O'Connor and Strauss, we want to wish you a happy spring, and see you next week. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.